0: You're listening to The Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off The Extra Point. Welcome back to another episode of The Extra Point Podcast, where we get to talk to Pastor Scott about this week's topic of hell. Hell. So great. Um, So let's go ahead and dive into this topic. Um, I want to touch on the um, the first thing that that I think is is really important for for this topic. But it's also been kind of a theme that you've that you've addressed throughout this whole series um, is that this is not a starting point for conversations. So let's give some Christians the benefit of the doubt and assume that they are lovingly, but not wisely, trying to save someone from eternity, from an eternity separated from God. How could they practically and effectively begin a conversation or effectively do street ministry or evangelism in this way?
1: Yeah, so the whole conversation has to start first off by having a genuine concern and love for the other person. And so if the other person that you are interested in sharing the good news of Jesus with is simply just a project for you or someone that you're trying to fix for whatever reason, then it's just not going to go well. And so just first off, making sure that you have pure motives um, before you go down that path of evangelism. In the first place, you do have to truly love the other person to do this well. The other thing, and this is what we talked about a little bit on Sunday, is you have to start with the rational basis for faith that we've done in this series. There's a reason why it took us seven weeks to get to something like hell in this series is because that's not a good starting point. The topic of hell shuts down conversations. The topic of hell makes you seem a little too giddy about the doctrine of hell, whereas it should cause us more grief. I think, than giddiness, and there's a lot of people that do like to talk about hell, and they like to talk about it a lot, like to tell everyone that, you know, that's on their way there, that's where they're going, and they seem somewhat happy about it. Um, This is just not a wise starting point. If you truly care about the other person, um, I would start the conversation, you know, a lot like we have the series, like starting with the rational basis for a creator behind all things because hell is hell is a difficult doctrine for people that even that even someone like me that believes for me to wrap my head around and and to put my full support with um so it would it would be a non-starter for me if that's where the conversation started um so but once I'm on board with something like the rational um evidence behind a creator and then once I've decided that that creator revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ through the evidence that we have for the resurrection, and once I see that the Bible is a credible document that I can trust, then it just simply comes down to whether or not I'm really going to trust Jesus or not. And if I trust Jesus, then I have to listen to what He has to say on the topic of hell. This is this is where so many people get get it wrong: is we think that we can affirm like those first three things, and then that we can still pick and choose what it is that we're going to affirm or not affirm um, after that. That's just not the case. Like, the Bible does not become some sort of buffet um, at, at any point in your Christian journey. Like There's really uncomfortable truths in the Bible, that some of which I wish were different. But since they're not, I have to decide whether or not I'm going to bend the text to my will or whether I'm going to bend my will to the text whether I'm going to try to make God in my own image or whether I'm going to truly live out the fact that I'm made in His image. And so that's where this conversation has to start. It has to start with a genuine affection for the other person, genuine concern, and then it has to start, you know, in a lot of places with a rational conversation like, hey, do you believe that there is a God? Because if someone doesn't believe there is a God, then they definitely don't believe there's a hell. So that's why you have to get to the most fundamental portions of what we've talked about before moving on to some of these more difficult things that we might talk about. Like one of the topics that we're not going to get to in this series, um, but that Mark Clark talks about in The Problem of God is the topic of of sex. Um, That is another horrible starting point for conversations. That, you know, (laughs) human sexuality (laughs) is such a volatile topic that you're gonna shut down the conversation long before you ever get to talk about, you know, the stuff that you really want to if that's where you start. So a lot of these things we are discipled into our belief about hell and sex and these other more difficult topics because of the earlier things that we've talked about in this series. Once I have gotten to the point where I believe Jesus died and rose again, and I believe that that's a fact of history, then receiving what Jesus has to say on difficult topics no longer really becomes difficult because he's proven himself to be the creator behind all things and the one that can be trusted. And if he died and rose again, and he says that that there is a a, a true reality after resurrection um, for those that are separated from him, um, called hell, and that then that's just what I'm. Go- I'm going to take him at his word because he predicted his own death and his own resurrection, and he pulled it off. And I'm just going to go with him on that. So we have to be very wise when it comes to our evangelistic conversations, street ministry, anything like that. I'm a big proponent of relational evangelism, so creating relationships with people that you can walk them through a journey rather than assaulting people that we don't know on the street with um, information that they probably don't care about. Mm. Um, I'm certain that that works from time to time for certain people. But by and large, I think relational evangelism, where we make sure that the other person knows that they love us, and then we move on to the most rational starting points, and then we deal with the really difficult stuff after they have affirmed the basics of the Christian faith.
0: Yeah. So in conjunction with that, because, you know, we're creating relationships with people before we have these conversations. And we really have to feel out the relationship before we can decide whether or not, you know, is hell a topic of conversation that we can have with this person. But for those of us that have kids, um, you talked a lot in your in the beginning of your sermon on Sunday about how you were scared out of your mind. Of dying and going to hell and a lot of that is the depiction or the illustration of what hell is um, the misunderstanding of hell or just not knowing a whole lot about the the real place of hell or what hell actually is so how can we have these conversations with our own kids or you know people in our immediate family people that live in our household people that we're raising Um, things like that in a way that's not to scare them into um, submission or to get them to behave but just simply believe in its existence and you know going from there but then also you know to tag to tag onto that is is it even important to have an accurate depiction or illustration of hell for believers or potential converts
1: I wouldn't treat our kids any different than I would anyone else. Um, and that's you know, that's my overall um goal with this whole conversation is um hell is not a starting point, however, eventually we do get there. Um but I also think it shouldn't be over overly emphasized. So here here is what I feel like there have been folks in the church, um, traditionally that would overemphasize hell because they know that it would play on the fear emotion, which would drive responses, which is ultimately what they were looking for. But I just wonder how many of those responses were genuine, because if we're just if we're just making a decision based on fear, then we're not making a decision based on love, which is the true basis of our relationship with Jesus. Um, yes, we should fear God. But that doesn't mean that we should sit here and and like have an unhealthy um, Infatuation with hell um, Either the fear of god is is a reverence of god of his holiness of his majesty of of all he is and and All he has done Um, So yes fear does play a role but not in the sense of like um, Being scared out of your mind that you're always on your way to hell and you're going to burn forever, and all these things. That well, I think preachers learned that if you play that card enough, you can ratchet up the emotion in the room and get um, the altars filled for a night because everyone is quite emotional. But are you are you helping people fall in love with Jesus and helping them truly be transformed um, when you overemphasize hell? And that's 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 the same advice I would give you for your kids is you need to be very careful that you emphasize the love and the justice of God evenly um, to your kids Um, yes at some point hell will probably come up but hopefully by that point they have become so convinced that God loves them and is for them and is crazy about them that it doesn't um, make them shudder in fear of God when they hear about the reality of hell um, there just has to be a balance approach, and I think that sometimes people are unbalanced because they know that an unbalanced approach will lead to the superficial results that they're looking for. And then your other question was: Is it important to have a proper idea or view of hell and picture of it? Um, it absolutely is because it, this matter this. We're talking about this because this topic matters to people in our culture. There are people that are re- that reject Christianity and in fact find Christianity to be an immoral way to live someone's life because of this doctrine. And that's because it's been portrayed as something that it really is not. It's been portrayed as these torture chambers and um all, all of this that that we don't we don't have evidence for hell hell being a torture chamber. Or that you know God takes all this great delight in punishing people. We we don't have the evidence for some of the stuff that that we are accused of um, when it comes to the, uh, to the doctrine of hell. Um, so our our view of hell does matter because people are pushing back against it. But what I, I if those were the realities of hell, we'd have to deal with them. But what I think people are pushing back against is a false caricature of hell. And so they're rejecting something that really doesn't even exist in the first place. Because they have rejected a different, a a man-made version of what we think hell is based on medieval art. And Dante's Inferno and TV shows and different things like that. And not really what the scriptures portray, which the scriptures portray something much different. You know a total separation from the common graces of God, you know some sort of um lonely, regretful um existence um, so our our view on this does matter because you could you could drastically change the way that someone views God by wrongly um speaking of hell in a way that's not uh consistent with what the scriptures say. About it, I mean, you could make someone find God to be an you know an overbearing, capricious, um, you know, tyrant that l- just uh, marvels and and glories in the destruction of people and the punishment of. If you're not careful, that's the the idea that pr- people could get um, when that when nothing could be further from the truth. Um, whatsoever so our picture and our idea of what hell is is incredibly important um and it's incredibly important that we have an accurate portrayal of it
0: so i really think that this question goes well with the way that you answered that question but i think this is maybe a more direct route to um to to this question but you mentioned in your sermon um god does not send anyone to hell so the statement that god sends people to hell is inconsistent with what we know about God so with that said is hell punishment
1: uh, yeah it's punishment in the same sense as when we do something stupid in this life and there is a natural consequence to it that's punishment it would be punishment a lot in that vein um, uh, you know the lack of a decision is still a decision which leads to punishment, and so absolutely, it's still punishment. It's still God's way of um, dealing justly with the um, with the guilty. Um, but it's so when we say God doesn't send people to hell, what we're saying is that God just recognizes the choices that people makes and deals with them accordingly. So when we say God doesn't send people to hell, I'm saying he's not arbitrarily just choosing people Mm. to send to hell. He's recognizing their choices and then ultimately giving them the, uh, for lack of a better term, just desserts of what they have chosen. Mm. So no, God doesn't just arbitrarily send people to hell, but hell is the consequence for a rejection of God. When you go, I don't want you, he goes, okay, then this is what that means. And so... It is a hundred percent punishment. Um, it, it, it definitely is. It would be seen as punishment, even though God is not the active, you know, active in their choice. They still get the choice. It, mm-hmm. it would be, you know, when we say that God sends people to hell, we get we get the wrong idea of like God just like loves this whole idea of sending people to hell. It's like no, read Second Peter three nine. It's God's desire for everyone to come to repentance. Hell, clearly from the book of Revelation, was created for Satan and his demons. Mm -hmm. It was not created for humankind. However, those that want nothing to do with God, like Satan and his demons, there will be a place for them to spend all eternity where they will not have to be in the presence of God. They will not have to be with Jesus, the one that they have rejected, and some of them have animosity towards. They're not going to get forced into that situation. So yes... There, It is punishment. Hmm.
0: That's good. Um, so this is kind of just a question that I had because we had this conversation yesterday. You were reading a book, um, you know, some light reading. And you mentioned that the author of this book was talking about how hell isn't forever. You can get tired of it, repent, and then enter into eternity with God Tell us your point of view on that and then why that isn't or cannot be consistent with who God is.
1: Yeah, so a little background. I was reading uh, Rob Bell's uh, Love Wins, which is a highly controversial book that kind of started him um, down the path out of the good graces of most Orthodox Christianity. But I was interested in his take on hell um because i knew that he had come under fire a lot for it and he seems to be arguing in the chapter on hell in his book of some sort of second chance after death that eventually you'll get fed up with hell and that there will be a time of repentance um and as you read that chapter you could really get sucked into it and and think wow that sounds that sounds great that yes, people will be punished, but at the very least, they'll have a second chance at some point to uh, enter in. And so he 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 he's very clever in his argument, the way that he reframes um, this topic. The the major problem for me, and this is how this is when you read people. So I go into that book knowing I do not agree with Rob Bell, and the way that I don't get sucked into it is going in knowing that up front, but I could just imagine the run-of-the-mill, you know, Christian pick up a book that, you know, because this is a book that would end up in the religion section of your average bookstore, pick mm-hmm. it up, oh goodness, this is a New York Times bestseller or whatever, I'll, I'll read that, and you get sucked into a heresy because of the slick way in which the the argument is being presented, and it'll be, you know, Decorated with scriptures and things like that, to try to to make the point, the problem is the consistent view historically of the church has not been that there is any sort of second chance. It's not supported in the scriptures whatsoever if honestly if if there was a second chance after life, I feel like it would be a it like we would have a drastically different gospel and a drastically different Bible if that were the case. Because we wouldn't have to put so much emphasis on um, salvation yeah. and and all of this if we could just wait till we were dead and then you know I'll do a little punishment and then eventually I'll 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 make it like none of the none of that's consistent with what the scriptures teach about the afterlife none of that is consistent with what the church historically has taught none of it, none of it is even philosophically sound when we think about about it as well. Um, I mean, we would end up with a drastically different Bible if what Rob Bell was talking about in "Love Wins" was actually true. Now, at the same time, I, I am going to continue to read the rest of the book because there is a lot that he says in other chapters that I actually highly agree with, which is which just a really interesting dichotomy. I think "Love Wins" was before he completely fell off the deep end, and uh, theologically, in a lot of ways. Um, but his view on hell is 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 misleading, and and it's it, it's also troublesome to me because. It preaches a second chance after death, which causes people to not take seriously the urgency and the need to make sure that you are right with your heavenly father in this life. And so it could lull someone into a false sense of security that, oh, you know what, I'll just get it on the next go around Um, after I've served a little bit of punishment, then I'll end up in heaven anyways. And so what do I need to what do I need to live a life of submission and sacrifice and surrender right now. If all I'm going to have to do is pay a little bit of um, punishment, but ultimately I'll end up in heaven like everybody else. Why wouldn't I just take that path? So then I would get the best of this life, a little bit of punishment and, and then the best of the next life. It's a false sense Mm -hmm. of security that he's lulled people into through some slick, um, you know, use of the scriptures and, and, and original languages and things like that, which just, we have to remember these When you hear these ideas that seem like, oh my goodness, how did we ever get it so wrong? The problem is they're just not historically accurate depictions of what the church has always believed or what the scriptures are saying. And so we have to be very careful um, to not fall into that heresy because back to what do we say to our kids. Could you imagine telling your kids that you get a second chance after you die? you've now just cut your legs out from under you to get them saved to get them to igno- like who would who would do that who yeah. who would live um a life focused on others now if you didn't absolutely have to um you know that it, it just it, it, I, it's it's very dangerous um to preach that there's some sort of second chance after death after you've served a little bit of penalty and then you can go on Um, it's just a very dangerous thing that I, I pray people see through it so that way they don't become disillusioned and end up with the worst surprise of their life. Because as we talked about Sunday, hell is a reality, even though I find it repulsive and even though I wish it were not. So it does seem from the very words of Jesus that hell is a place of like, even through the imagery that Jesus gives it disputes what rob bell's talking about in his chapter on hell like where the fire never goes out these are words um that describe something that's never ending that's that that is eternal and i know that R- rob will just turn that around and say well it is for some people there are some people that will never turn around but some people will mm. that's just not consistent with the scriptures or historic christian christian theology and doctrine And so you just have to be very careful with that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the lesson that we've learned with all of these topics is that we do have to be really careful about how we um, share this information and and start conversations with all of these different um, aspects of our faith. Um, But thanks again for joining us to dive deeper into our series of Not So Blind Faith Um, And thank you to all of you who are listening. If you have faith questions, make sure you go to src.life slash questions. Um, Pastor Scott will actually be answering those this Sunday. Um, from the stage but if the question doesn't get answered um, leave your name with your question if you don't care to not be anonymous and pastor scott would love to research your question and get back to you and have a conversation to go over those questions with you Um, but tune in next wednesday and every wednesday after that for another episode of the extra point podcast we'll see you later everybody thanks for tuning in to the extra point Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.